It is time for your pregame podcast. We're back for another week of some awesome sports talk. Uh, Dan and I just chatting, and uh, hopefully you're being entertained. I mean, I, ideally. I, <laughs> I don't know what, why they'd be listening if they weren't entertained. And uh, if you are entertained, remember, tell a friend. We'd love to you know, add more people to our uh, audience, have more people telling us why we're right, why we're wrong, why we're stupid, and why we're geniuses. So... Mostly why we're wrong and stupid, though. Yeah, mo- mostly that. But uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't like the show, in the words of the great Pat McAfee, act like it never happened. But regardless, on the show, lots to talk about. First off, Kalen, you're stepping into the shoes of the Toronto Raptors GM, and you're going to try to help us maintain what is going on up there in uh, in Canada. Going to do my best. We'll see what happens. Yeah, plus, speaking of doing their best and coming up short... We're talking about the biggest disappointments in Major League Baseball as well. But how about we start with some winners and some losers? Now time for our winners and losers of the week here on the pregame podcast. Kalen, who is your winner this week? My winner this week is two teams, uh, two basketball teams specifically. What a shock. The LA Lakers and the Miami Heat for being the first two teams to play against each other after missing the playoffs the season before. Wow, that's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. That has never happened in uh, NBA history. Another fun fact for you, Dan, is the Celtics Heat Eastern Conference uh, Final was also a historic series. That was the first time a one or two seed had never made the Eastern Conference Finals. Ooh, very yeah, it was, they were three and five. Wait, they were three and five. Oh, the Raptors were the two seed. I was trying to th- remember who the two seed was in the East. I'm like, who the hell yep. was it? <laughs> it was Bucks, Raptors, Celtics. Trying to think who was the four. I think the Pacers were the four seed and then the Heat were the five. Mm-hmm, something like that. Like, yeah, something like that. Um, but regardless, two historic series and congrats to the Heat and the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers, we kind of knew we were going to get there, but uh, congrats to the Heat. You did it. Jimmy Buckets hopefully goes on and gets a title. And then Dan and I get Miami Vice uh, Heat jerseys. Very excited for it. Listen, Um, I'm so excited for it. (laughs) I know. Now that it happened, I'm like on board fully. Um, Now that the Celtics just lost. Like we're, we're team Buckets right now. We're team Heat. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm team Jimmy Buckets. Like, let's go. I am all Um, in. Regardless, that's my two winners technically for this week. Uh, hopefully it is a great series as it kicks off tonight. So, Dan, who do you have as a winner for the week? Well, Kalen, I'm going to get to my winner in one second. I'm just going to tell you that I actually have another fun fact about what could potentially happen if the Heat win. But I'm going to save it for the end of the show, if that's OK. All right. So, so a little, sure. a little nugget, a little fun fact for the end of the show, uh, t- <laughs> for everyone to stick around till the very end. But in the meantime, my winner this week, my winner this week is going to a team that is not just making their championship round, but has already won their championship round, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ah, uh, yes, the Stanley Cup winners. Yes. Did they uh, blow out the Dallas Stars and ruin my prediction here on the show? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> 
But <laughs> I was not alone in that thinking. I was doing a little uh, a little Snapchat action, a little back and forth with TJ. TJ Fosnott, our resident hockey expert. And he told me that the Stars were a good pick. He told me I was being sensible. So can't be too upset about it. So congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, many people thought that after their uh, their choking failure in last year's playoffs that they should just tear it down and rebuild and it was never going to happen. They stayed with it. They won a ring. Congratulations. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You have nothing else I, to talk I, about I, on hockey, do you? <laughs> oh, I was going to get to it. Okay. What, what, what do you guys say about it? Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to hold you up. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, the stars were the logical pick. I mean, that's about it. No, I don't got anything. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what I figured. That's stick, stick to the arenas when they take the ice off the floor and they put down the wood. Okay. That's, that's, hey, I got no problems with that. That's, that's, uh, you know, I'm trying. Okay. I got, I got to do it. I got to warm up to hockey. There wasn't really a pun there. I got to cool down to hockey. Um, you know, since, since the Kraken are coming into town, regardless, either way, congrats to the lightning. Let's move on to some losers though. Kalen, who's your loser this week? My loser this week is the one, the only Philadelphia Eagles. And honestly, if you wanted to make it a broader loser, you could just say the NL East for being the absolute worst division. And then the worst team in football right now. Uh, do you mean um, the, the NFC Philadelphia East? Eagles. NFC East, excuse me. Yes, I, I, I know NL you East? have. I know you have the disappointment of the Philadelphia Phillies on the brain, which we're going to be talking about right. a little bit later in the show. But <laughs> just confirm me that you're talking about football Whoops. still. Yeah, talking about football still. We're talking about the NFC East um, as a terrible division in football, and the Eagles, in my opinion, being the worst team in that division. I know the Giants are zero and three, but honestly, tying the Bengals is worse than going zero and three. I, I don't know what else to say other than the Eagles are trash. I don't, we're not, I, I said it last week. I think I said, we're not making the playoffs uh, here. I sit uh, you three did games say that. in and I'm going to say what you did say that. Yes, I did say that it was a two. I prefaced it with my too early prediction, but now that I'm three games in and we only, we got 13 to go. Now nah, we'll be lucky if we get eight. We'll be lucky if we go, we get eight wins. Oh, that's not happening. That, I don't think it's happening. No, it's not happening. I think I think it's going to be like six if we're lucky. So if we're actually lucky. So, yeah, Eagles suck. NFC sucks. There it is. Take somebody from the AFC and, and replace them in this division. I mean, I, do I have to do I have to do someone from football? Like, is, I mean, to be fair, there is a, a potential loser in the AFC. There is there is a potential loser in the AFC, um, but but it's not who regardless. I'm going to go with. My loser this week actually is going to be one DK Metcalf. For making the uh, the dumbest play of the week. Let, let's just be honest. It is the dumbest play of the week. So Seahawks, Cowboys, you know, pretty good game. Cowboys almost came back from that one. Cowboys, you know, they're they're doing things. They're not doing amazing things, but they're doing things. But the, it, we're not talking about the Cowboys. We're talking about the Seahawks wide receiver, DK Metcalf. I'm not sure if you saw the play I'm talking about, Kalen. I did not. So basically... The one thing that the Seahawks were finding a lot of success in early in the game was deep balls. Big deep balls because their receivers were just burning the Cowboys cornerbacks. And they did it once, scored on a massive like 50-60 yard pass. So they decided to do it again. DK Metcalf gets open. He catches the ball at about the 10-yard line. And what does he do? He decides that, oh, I caught it. The end zone's right there. I'm a jogging in. And as he's jogging it in, <laughs> the Cowboys cornerback comes up behind him 
and punches the ball out of his hands through the back of the end zone, which is, by rule, a touchback and the Cowboys ball at the 20-yard line. Well done. Well done, DK Metcalf. So when, when I saw it, I could not believe it happened. I was like, what the hell? Like, how? I was astonished. And uh, yeah, for that, he is my loser of the week. Yeah, that's a worthy loser right there. Wish I would have seen that one because he's I'll, got a big ego. I'll send you the video. It's pretty good. He's got a big ego ever since he had a good rookie season. So it's nice to see that get knocked down a peg. Humble him a little. Yeah, for sure. A big question that kind of came up in our earlier discussion, Kalen, that we decided to bring to the pregame podcast as its own full segment is what the hell is Toronto going to do? Because they have a problem on the horizon, and we are going to do our best to solve it. As we, uh, you know, are attempting to become the GMs of not only Charlotte, but now Toronto as well. Don't forget New Orleans. We're also the GMs of New Orleans, and That's we're right. also in charge of the PR and promotions of uh, the 76ers. So we're, we're making our way That's around right. the league. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. And now we're international. We're going to be in Canada. <laughs> and, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's official. Not not Get to your passport ready, Dan. Uh, not to instantly derail the conversation, but every time someone talks about, you know, oh, well, technically, you know, it's like a world title because there's also a Canadian team. It's like, yeah, really? 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 Yeah. Is it, though? Technically, it's international. Technically. But yeah. So either way, back to the, the problem at hand. The problem at hand is that the Toronto Raptors have a lot of players that they need to re-sign. And Kalen, you're the basketball expert. I'm going to kind of run through the players, and you got to tell me what's worth pursuing and what players do they just need to cut bait on, okay? Does that sound like a good deal? Sounds like a deal to me. A lot of players to re-sign. First off, if you're looking, I'm mainly looking at key, you know, like key players, you know, starting rotation, uh, starting rotation, starting five, I mean... (laughs) I would hope the starting quote unquote rotation is on the keep end of this list or as they are starters. Well, not necessarily. Well, at least players of high topic. You know, I'm not going to spend too many minutes talking about like Dewan Hernandez and stuff like that, like players who are making okay. league minimum. <laughs> but some of the starting five, some other players that are key pieces coming off the bench. This is the current situation. So how about we start with the players who are going to be free agents this coming off season? I'm talking like in like a couple of weeks. Because remember, we talked about the uh, NBA offseason, about how everything's condensed down into like a week and a half period. Yes. So it's going to be really exciting, really high, high throttle, high adrenaline. And they have to decide which players they need to retain. Now, I'll say first and foremost, the one player that is completely out of the situation that's already kind of covered is one Pascal Siakam. He's already covered. If you remember at the uh, tail end of last year in October, I believe, in 2019, He signed a big extension. It was a maximum rookie contract extension in the NBA, resulting in, you know, a casual $132 million guaranteed leading up to the end of the 2023-2024 season. So he's the only player we don't have to worry about, Kalen. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, because, I mean, I would say he's the emerging heart and soul of this team. Not to take anything away from everybody else when, you know, they won an NBA championship and all that, but I definitely think he's... He's like the keystone of this whole team at the moment. I I think after this season, you can debate that a little bit. I mean, he got hurt this season, so that's the main reason why he didn't have a good year this year. But I guess we can make a judgment call on that 
next year, next season. Okay, yeah. I'm not trying to argue how valuable he is to the team. I'm just, I'm I just know, saying I know, I know. He, he's a key piece. He's already locked in, but everyone else pretty much uh, has to be handled within the next year or two. As I was beginning to say, looking at this offseason, the 2020 offseason that we're like fast approaching at the speed of light, you got it's almost here. Yeah, of course. You got three, I'll say three key players that you need to figure out what you're doing with them. They're going to be up. It's not a team option. It's not a player option. It is free agency. And that is Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and Fred Van Fleet. Ooh. Ooh. Now, do I, I, do I have to pick which one of these to get rid of? Or do I, like, like well, what's, what's the... What do, so here, I guess, <laughs> paint the picture for me. Like, what does okay. the, uh, Toronto need to do in order to stay under the cap? Like, what, okay, let me, what are we looking at here? Let me, okay, if, 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 that's, if that's the way you want it, I'll, I'll paint you the whole picture first, okay? Yeah. This offseason, they have uh, Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and Fred Van Fleet all becoming uh, free agents. Okay, they're all going to be free agents. And then you could also count Rondé Hulls, Jefferson, if you really want to stretch it that far down the list. They're kind of, it's like, whatever, Chris Boucher, yes, whatever, okay, they're not they're not the free agents we're worried about. It's those three, Gasol, Ibaka, and uh, Van Fleet. Next offseason, in the 2021 offseason, you have Kyle Lowry, who's becoming a free agent, OG Ananobi, who's becoming a free agent, and you have Patrick McCaw, who's becoming a free agent. So... What does Toronto need to get rid of to like stay under the cap? Like what so, what do they so need this to is, do to be legal? So looking at the overall roster for them right now, as of next season, without any additional signings, they're already at eighty six million dollars in salary. And the season following that, they're down to forty six million. But of course, at that point, that forty six million is not counting for Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka, Van Fleet, uh, you know, Ananobi, any right. of them. So, of course, we don't know exactly how the cap is going to expand in future seasons because it's not like a statistical thing of how is it going to you know, increase and all that stuff. But we know that in 2020, the NBA salary cap max was at $109 million. So if you do the math on that, they're looking at, oh, math is never my good subject. You know that. Um, about mm-hmm. $20 million in practical cap space approximately okay for next year and then the year after that we imagine that the salary cap probably increases a tiny bit again 115 mil yeah something like that compared to what they have currently on the books they'd have about a hundred million dollars in cap space but that's without like i said the contracts of right right all those players right i think the main question we got basically we got 20 million dollars to play with for next season for yep. the three free agents that you just mentioned, and then we'll get to the next season after that, because um, then we'll have a roadmap of like what I think Toronto should do. Oh yeah, no, right? no, give me give me the full roadmap. I was trying to step by step it, yeah. but I I realized that you, as the, excuse me, as the you know future GM of the Toronto Raptors, need to see the full picture before you know you just go diving in. Yeah, exactly, Dan. That every good decision is made when someone can see the full picture. Now to Fred Van Vliet. Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. It it just it seems like twenty mil. It seems like we're gonna have to get rid of one of those guys, or one of those guys is gonna have to get underpaid. Yeah, right. One of I the- mean, Fred Van Vliet had a great run in the playoffs and had a great season. Not this season, but the season prior when they won the championship. He had a really good year this year. Even he's gonna be looking to get paid probably a little bit more. 
then I think he's worth a little bit more than what he's getting paid. Whatever that number is now, I don't know off the top of my head. Fred Van Fleet made $9 million this past season. Yeah, he's worth more than $9 million. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's a big yeah. He needs to be paid. Yeah. And, and obviously, as you're working through this pinch, the, the main reason that the cap space is so small for those three players is because next year is the first year that Pascal Siakam's extension kicks in. So he goes from a $2 million player to a $29 million player. Yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets paid next yeah. year. So so that's why um, that's why we have this bit of a pinch in the in the next season. So realistically, it's we're looking at scrapping one at least one of these guys. Oh, at least. Um yeah. I mean, if I was running Toronto, I'd want to keep Serge and Freddie if I could. But I don't know if you can keep both. I think honestly, I think you can just keep Fred Van Vliet out of that equation. If you pay Fred Van Vliet the money he's worth, which is like fifteen mil, right? That's it. <laughs> that yeah, like that's it. Serge Ibaka's not going to play for five million dollars. Marcus Hull's not going to play. Eh, Marcus Hull might play for five million dollars. I don't know. He's I mean, at he'd the have tail to, end of his career. He'd have to come down hard because this past year he was making twenty five million dollars. So yeah. He's not going to come down. Like Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka were the second and third highest paid players on this Toronto squad last year. That's because they're names. I, yeah. Like Serge would have to take a huge pay cut. No, I think you just keep Freddie. You pay Freddie and let Mark and Serge go. That sucks. If I'm <laughs> if I'm the GM of Toronto, that sucks. In your in, in your professional opinion, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, no, that, that that is my professional opinion. That sucks because. Marcus Ole and Serge are so important on defense for that team. Like they're not necessarily that high impact on the offensive end, but the defensive end is where they make their money. Um, okay. At least okay. at this point in their careers. And you don't have anybody else that is that defensive presence in Toronto right now. If I could pick your brain for a second. So if you think the right move is to sign Fred Van Fleet to a deal about what he's worth, you're saying that's about $15 million, and then you let Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka walk. If that's the case, then who do you think the Raptors should be targeting in free agency then with that extra $5 million in cap space, if anybody? Ooh, that's tough, Dan. Yeah. That's really tough. I, I will say, behind the scenes, um, I did just send you a list of all the 2020 free agents. <laughs> so at the, yeah, at the very I mean, least, you can you can scroll down to the, you know, the, the $2, 3000000 million range and and see if there's anyone there that you think could be an impact on that uh, on that Toronto squad. Well, right away, I see Aaron Baines at 5 mil and Ennis Cantor at 4.8. And those two, I mean, I think Ennis is going to re-sign with Boston. I think he likes being in Boston. I think Boston's making a mistake and not playing him in the Heat series. I think that's stupid of them. But anyway, that's a whole other segment in and of itself. Maybe they'll play him tonight so that they don't lose time stamping the episode, uh, the recording. I like Aaron Baines, not because he was a Celtic, but because he's just he's just a all around decent player. He's cheap and he's a go getter like you. I mean, you put him on the floor and you know what you're going to get out of him, at, you know, in and out every night. So I think that's I think that's a decent move. I think Ennis Cantor's a decent move. JaVale McGee is a good move if they could pick up JaVale McGee from uh, the Lakers, but they're going to win a championship and then everyone's going to get paid. Yeah, I mean, another, so there's a problem there. Uh, another option from the Lakers is, of course, Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight's contract in L.A. is only two point five million dollars. No, nope, 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 nope. Dwight is good, 
but he's not good enough to fill the roles of either Marcus or Serge Ibaka. Okay. He's just not. I mean, um, I mean, the thing is, you're not going to get someone who's going to be able to do like who who is not like obviously the quality of Serge Ibaka or or Marcus all because like you don't have that money to pay them. I mean, that's like the one yes thing you got to realize no. with that. I, yes and no. I mean, you could pick somebody up that could potentially fill their shoes for less money, but it's it's hard. It's hard to find that. And I, I think your best bet really on the free agent list for centers, at least, are Aaron Baines and Ennis Cantor. And those would fill Marcus Gasol's shoes. Now, if we're looking at good old power forwards, a good old four spot, which is what Surge technically is. I mean, technically. I mean, Marcus Gasol and Serge are both kind of like centers, so. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, um, I know. Ooh, that's an interesting move. That would be good. Well, I see. Okay. All right. You okay. Can as, just as, you, as you scroll through the 2020 NBA free agency list, do you want to share with us the gold you found? I mean, this, this isn't necessarily gold, but you could try and pillage Frank Kaminsky on his rookie deal from uh, Phoenix. Okay. Okay, that wasn't... That's a, I mean, yeah. he's, he's going to look to get paid because he's averaging 20 points a game. Oh, excuse me. No, 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 no. I lied, I lied, I lied. Sorry. The minutes per game and points per game on here were not labeled appropriately. It's <laughs> averaging 20, minute, 20 minutes per game and then about 10 <laughs> points per game. Big difference. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty then, big like, difference. Five rebounds. Five rebounds per game, 10 points per game. So he's not going to look to get paid. I lied. Because he can't, you can't pay him like give him big money for those kind of numbers. What for ten? Points? I mean, you could, yeah. I mean, you listen, could pillage if, him if you're the Seventy Sixers, you could pay him. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Seventy Sixers, you could pay him, but that'd be dumb because again, ten points per game. Yeah, if, if you're the Seventy Sixers, <laughs> who else is on here that might be reasonable? Udonis Haslam might be looking to leave Miami, but um, again, I'm going to doubt it. Um, the success Miami had, you know, a lot of people want to stay on those squads. After Frank Kaminsky, to be honest with you, the drop off goes from 4.7 mil to 2.6 mil. Yeah, for power Almost 2.7 mil. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big drop off. So there's a lot of free agents out there that you can pick up. The question is, are any of them any good? I think really Dario Saric is another decent ish pick, but not really. Might be um, difficult because of the restricted free agency, you know, yeah. situation for him. Yeah. I don't know about that one. So getting back to you being in the shoes of the Raptors, you know, if you were to to do, as you said, and sign uh, Van Fleet for $15 million, then what are you going to be your picks here in the uh, in the free agency pool? I'm probably just going to pick one player. I'm not going to pick up two. And then I'm probably going to shoot for Aaron Baines or Ennis Cantor to fill that like last five million ish of cap space. OK, so that's an extra 20 million dollars that we need to uh, throw on top of the salary for the 2021-2022 offseason. So that puts us at, you know, I say us as if we're, you know, actually in the front office. Let's round up for the sake of, you know, trying to make it a bit more tight and difficult on you, not giving you the easy route. $70 million in salary, approximately. And then we said the cap space might be about $115 million, so that gives you... $45 $45 million, but your free agents now are Kyle Lowry, Patrick McCaw, OG Ananobly, and I guess Norman Powell might just take the player option and stick around for another year. But yeah, so with that being the case, you no longer have Marcus All, you no longer have Serge Ibaka. Let's say you grab Enos Cantor out of, out of your two guys, whatever, sure. 
Okay. What would you try to be doing there? Would you try to re-sign Kyle Lowry and use up uh, a, a majority of that cap space? Or is he another player that you would potentially let go? I think it's tough. It's This is really tough because it's not like Toronto was a bad team this year. I think the bubble really got to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they got knocked out of the playoffs. And they look good in the playoffs, too. They didn't look that bad. I mean, they had bad nights, but they didn't look terrible. Ah, man, it's tough. I think you got to try and sign Kyle Lowry, but I think you got to try and sign him for a little bit less money because he's on the he's uh, like he is in his decline. Like, there's no doubt about that. Like he 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 maybe. All right. You could say he's still in his prime, but I don't know. I don't know about that. He I think he's towards ish the end of that prime. I don't think he's in the beginning of it. Well, of course, Um, the man the man at this point would be thirty five, thirty six. Yeah, something like that. I try to sign him for a little bit less money and go, hey, Kyle, look, we're trying to win another title here, trying to get you some more pieces here. Like, let's try and do this here. So, so what do you be shooting for? I would negotiate with him. So, so where do you, where, where would you be shooting for price wise? Well, what's his current, uh, current yearly salary at this point? 30 million. Uh, 33 million this past year. And then next year is going to be 30 million ahead of his free agency. 30 million. Okay. And it already, it already is trending down. Yeah, it is. I'd probably shoot at like 23 to 25 mil. I think that's what I would do. Because, I mean, look, he is still your star. He still is your captain of that team, at quote-unquote captain. He's the guy guiding the ship there in Toronto, besides Nick Nurse. So, yeah, I, I'd i say that I'd, I would want 23 mil from him just so I could go get some more pieces, but 25 I would accept. Okay, so let's just let's say 25 then. All right. As as we continue to try to save this Raptor squad from plunging into into free uh, or to cap space hell, so you have uh, approximately twenty million then that you get to work with. Looking at the twenty twenty one free agents, that puts you out of uh, a lot of possible free agents for that year. I mean, Chris Paul's a free agent, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Blake Griffin, Paul George, Gordon Hayward. Well, I'll these, be honest these guys with are, you; these guys are all out of your range. I don't want Blake. I don't want Gordon. Gordon, uh, I'll be as a Boston Celtics fan. Gordon Hayward's overpaid. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I mean, if he wouldn't have broke his leg, he would have been the Gordon Hayward of the Jazz days for mm-hmm. his entire stint in Boston. But that just messed with his head so hard mentally, and he's still fighting to get back to that. It's it's a sad, sad story. But he's almost there. He actually kind of is there, just less scoring. But anyway, still overpaid. Paul George. Hey, let's be honest. He's not gonna. He might leave LA. Well, I was, I was go somewhere listen, else. I, but, I was saying these players like because th- there's not even the budget for them, basically. Yeah, I mean, there so, is so, no money for so those I'm, guys. I'm, so. I'm, I'm going to need you to scroll down the page a little bit to the players, you know, wow. that, that, you know, that are guy. are in your price range more. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Do I spend the money and do a family reunion with DeMar DeRozan? Do I do I do that for Kyle? <laughs> uh, that would be that be that, is that would that be the negotiation piece? Hey, Kyle, look, if you take a little less money, I'll go get Demar. I'll go pay Demar, and he'll come play with you again. How's that, buddy? That's kind of interesting. Although that would that would push you guys up over the cap, and I mean, to be fair, it's it's not a hard cap. It's like the um, it's like uh, is it baseball that has like the the luxury yeah luxury tax issue yeah stuff. luxury tax. But you know we gotta yep. we gotta put some restrictions on you. Restrictions breed creativity, Caitlin, and you they need, do. You they need do. a creative way to fix this to fix this roster. So I mean, so, Demar Derozan would push you guys over the cap a little bit. 
tiny bit so if you get your twenty five million dollar wish. That wouldn't solve my problem either. So what what positions do I need to fill still? I mean, I think Norman Powell's gonna sign the player option. Yeah. So what besides Powell, what shoes are left? It's Kyle Lowry's locked. Yeah, Fred Van Fleet's locked. I mean, honestly, it looks yeah. like, you know, even with you signing it basically it's it's still looking at solving the four and five position because you have Enos Cantor playing the you know, playing right. that position. I mean, like you could have Siakam. I mean, Siakam is a power forward, but I mean, like if you want to yeah, have him no. play more as a three, then you're going to want yeah, someone I want, else. Yeah, I want him more as a three. So, okay. Yeah. So, right. so you're basically looking for another big man. You're looking for another, another guy, another guy front court. Yep. That's as you, tough. as you decide here, I'm That's just going to point out some names that are kind of in that window. We're looking at, we have Kelly Olynyk here as a potential option. We have James Johnson as a potential option. A little bit more expensive here. Bobby Portis. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is a bit on the expensive side. I mean, Giannis. Giannis is here. Giannis is there. Giannis would be a Supermax contract and would make it so the um, between Giannis and that Pascal Siakam extension, <laughs> you guys are going to have a lot of... A lot of, you know, uh, oh boy. financial woes, but you could just win a championship or two. So, you know, who cares? Ooh, this is this is tough, Dan. I'm actually kind of OK with Ennis Cantor at center. I mean, not thrilled with it. So that makes me I'm leaning more towards that four spot because I mean, if I if you pick up the right four man, right, he can play the five. So, yeah, of course. Not a huge deal. And I mean, to be um, fair, if you pick up if you pick up the right small forward, they could also play the four. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. NBA and I mean, is I the think, most flexible, flexible of of sports when it comes it to is, that type of is. thing. And, and I think you're right in saying Pascal can play the four, but I, I want, you know, someone else to be able to play I mean, that I, four as well. I hope I'm right saying that because he's listed as a as a power forward, like, you know, and. Oh, yeah. No, he, he is. That. He is. He's. He's a power forward by trade, but he plays more like a a small forward. Okay. Um, any any thoughts on maybe Andre Iguodala? Uh, no. No. Okay. The man the man gets rings, but he's not he's not Andre Iguodala of I mean seventy six. The man's trying to go to what his seventh straight NBA Finals or something like that. So. Uh yeah, sixth or seventh. I can't remember, but yeah. <laughs> he's he you know he has a habit of it. Yeah, he does. Man, this is tough. I, I'm tempted to try and pick up Zion, but I know he's going to be trying to get paid by New Orleans. So I mean, that's, that's also a out. club option year, and yeah. please, the Pelicans will not skip on that club option. <laughs> I mean, you could always um, risk. Sorry, your... I'm just like no, you're, you're very indecisive on this. You you are fine. You're you're the one who you know. I mean, honestly, like I'm trying to do some more exact math on the cap there. So we added 20 mil last time. So you really had like 50 mil to work with. So really. If you can get Kyle Lowry down to $25 million, you could sign LaMarcus Aldridge at his current value if you wanted to. Yeah, but that, but that would be that would, that would be it. That would be that would be the cap. Yeah. I think I think here's here's a play. Here's a play. Get Kelly Olynyk. Grab Kelly Olynyk. All right, I like this already. 12-5. Yeah. He's n- and I mean he can be a starter. That's not ideal, but just just going to roll with it. He also can play the four. Ennis can play the four. So you got two powerful, two centers that could swap. What does that leave me with cap space? That leaves me with... With uh, 12 and a like half, that would leave 20. you with somewhere between like seven and 10. Let's say 10. Let's get, leave you some options. Okay. And then you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do? I got my two, dude. 
I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna what I would do if I was a GM is I would draft a big man. Okay. Okay. That's that's the one thing we're not playing into this because you know. Yeah. The draft we're is a very free important agent part. Game. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah draft a big man that would hopefully pan out, and then what I do is I would go grab a guard at a somewhat reasonable price tag. I'm really interested to see what you're going to say, because I see a couple of interesting options. Yes. What was the amount I had left? I had like 11.5 or some, something like that. Left. Uh, yeah, yeah, like 10. We'll be generous 10, to give you 10. 10-ish. All right, we'll be 10. generous to give you 10. I can tell you who you're looking at with that 11.5 then. <laughs> at least I think I know who you're looking at. Oh, no. Tony, uh, yeah, it's for the viewers who can't see what we, we can see. Tony Snell is valued at 11.5. No, I don't want Tony Snell. I like him, but I don't want him. Okay. I'm actually looking at Lou Williams, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Okay. Lou Williams has had a very good year in L.A. And I don't know if that's just because uh, his counterpart is now Chris Paul or what, but he had a very good defensive year. He had a very good offensive year for him. So I think I'm going to pick up Lou Williams. Okay. Your moves to save this Raptors franchise from completely falling (laughs) apart is to do the following. This offseason, let Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka walk, re-sign Fred Van Fleet to a more comparable deal to his value at about $15 million, and pick up someone in the realm of Enos Cantor for $5 million bucks. And then the next offseason, talk Kyle Lowry into a discount. Obviously, draft a big man, you know, if you're not already doing that for the last offseason when you're letting Serge yeah, and Marcus yeah. Gasol walk. Draft a couple big men, uh, you know, throughout this whole process, and then sign the combination of Lou Williams and Kelly Olynyk, and that's how that's how the Toronto franchise saves itself from just completely nose diving off the face of the planet. It won't nose dive completely, but it's it's gonna dip. That's for sure. So so okay, wait, hang on. So in 2021, 2022, which would be the year like after the off season where Kyle Lowry gets resigned and everything. Your starting five is a twenty, or excuse me, a thirty-six-year-old Kyle Lowry, a twenty-eight-year-old Fred Van Fleet at shooting guard, Pascal Siakam at twenty-eight years old as well, and then what? Uh, uh, Enos Cantor and and Kelly Olynyk, probably d- depending on whether or not your your draft picks actually panned out. I mean, you're also you're not taking into account the Raptors bench as well. So, well, yeah, I mean, we like. Okay, yes, yes, you also have a bunch of people on the bench, but, like... And the Raptors bench is actually good, so... Yeah, I know, but, like, if it's going to be, like, oh, no, what's a bigger problem? Resigning, like, Ananobi in the 2021 offseason or resigning Serge Ibaka now? It's... People are going to care about Serge Ibaka now. That's kind of the thing. I hear you. Apparently, that's the key to success. Good job. Good job, Kalen. I don't know if that's a good job or not. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. I don't know if I did well there. Well, but I mean, I did my best, Toronto. You can, if you like these moves, you can hire me. I'm up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, if anyone disagrees or thinks that Kalen made a mistake, make sure to hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what uh, Kalen could have done better, who he should have signed, should he have gone all in on Giannis. I know someone's going to say that. Someone has to say that. He, Someone uh, is going to say that you should have gone all in. You should have just gone all in on Giannis. Giannis could win alone. Giannis He's and Pascal MVP. All you need is someone oh in the gosh. three and four slot and you'll win. Yeah, Shoot, okay. Shooting's overrated. Steph Curry's like dead. It's fine. Steph Curry just got hurt too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why. Fair.
We are now in the playoffs for the MLB season. They made it. They did it. Well, not entirely. There's still the playoffs to do, of course. But the regular <laughs> season happened. I mean, it had some COVID delays, but they made it through. They made it through 60 games. Yep, they did 60 games of <sighs> baseball. I I am shocked, but not as shocked as some of the results <laughs> from, yeah, that's from the these big 60 shock. games. Oh, man. And what better way to discuss kind of the wrap-up of the regular season for Major League Baseball than to look at the disappointments. And, and I believe, Dan, we talked about some teams that we all thought uh, had potential here in the uh, in the shortened season to really just come out and explode in 60 games. And honestly, some of these teams that we thought were that were going to do great uh, are some of the flops that I'm going to bring up. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When Ian and I were discussing this and talking about, oh, teams are going to get 40 wins. Ian was naming off a lot of teams. He's like, oh, yeah, they're just going to dominate. I'm like, I don't know. I took the I took the more, I guess, steady approach. I thought that it's going to be a lot of very close calls. And there were some very close calls in uh, in the final results here and everything. But I don't know. I don't I wasn't expecting big explosions, but I definitely for a couple of teams, I was expecting a little bit better than they did. So, Caitlin, I got some teams. You got some teams. We'll do a little back and forth and discuss our disappointments for the MLB regular season. Who do you want to talk about first? Well, I think the big, I mean, all right, I'll start with the one that, that hits home for me. It's home. And that is, that is the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh my God. Starting in Philadelphia. I'm, gonna, of I'm course. starting there. I'm starting there. I'm going to get it out of the way early. I'm sorry. Is that, is this really the biggest disappointment you see? Cause I see bigger disappointments. No, there are way bigger disappointments, but this is the one that hits home, right? This is the one that hits my heart. All right. I, I okay. had high expectations. I had high expectations. Ian had high expectations. I think every Philly fan had high expectations. Even some people that yeah, aren't Philadelphia Phillies you guys fans are had high expectations. Well, I think some people had that aren't. Okay. Phil- I just said it, aren't Philadelphia Phillies fans had high expectations for that roster. I, I don't know. Okay, that roster yeah. went sub 500. We, we can agree on the fact that they did go sub 500. They did miss the playoffs. It was not a successful season for the Phillies. I don't know how much success people were expecting because honestly, I didn't think that that I don't think that roster changed too drastically from the roster that you guys had in 2019. It really didn't. But here's the thing. And 2019, you guys roster was. Yeah, it did. I mean, the look, the expectation changed. It was a it was a. We underperformed in 2019. All right, we're going to come out. We're not going to underperform this year. That's exactly what they did this year. So I don't know how to break that cycle in Philadelphia. But anyway, not the point. I think they're they underperformed. I honestly felt that they could have that. I felt that they were better than Miami. They just weren't. So I I don't know. No. To me, they should have they should have done better. They should have been at least the two seed. But I got that off my chest. I'm good now. <laughs> And I mean, to be honest, Miami, one of the big surprises out here, you know, there's a couple of teams they that really surprised us. Um, I think, you know, obviously Miami was kind of a big surprise. San Diego, I think, was a was a pleasant surprise. And another team that was a pleasant surprise because they won the division instead of the other disappointment that I want to talk about next, Kalen, is the fact that the Oakland Athletics took down the AL West. They were the only winning they record did. in the AL West. Only one. But that didn't stop this team from squeaking in, but at a disappointing rate. 
and that team is the Houston Astros. 29 and 31. They did get a wild card spot. It did happen. There were some really garbage teams like, you know, Texas, like Pittsburgh, you know, uh, Detroit that had so few wins that some sub 500 teams did make the playoffs. And Houston is one of them. Mm -hmm. And Houston, I think, is disappointing this year. How much of it can you blame on the controversy of the trash can banging and the cheating and the buzzers and all that stuff? I don't know, but they definitely were at least expected to do better than sub 500. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in a 60-game season, you expect, including us, you expect the Houston Astros to at least go over 500, and, you know, obviously that didn't pan out. I mean, like I said, we've had tons of situations. Like, I I wasn't, like, you know, going to be out here saying, oh, this team's going to get over 40, stuff like that, because one game is the equivalent of, of like, three or four games or whatever in in the big scheme of things. It's a little less than three, whatever. But regardless... It still shows that if you look at what a regular season, you know, victory might be, you know, maybe like 80 wins, something like that. I'm sorry, not 80 wins, uh, like 90 wins, something like that. That's only like two or three games above 500 in this format. Something above 500, though, for the Astros. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, yeah, no. I, I definitely you think they that. underperformed. For, like, for sure. I agree. Again, I don't know. We, we had no idea how much the controversy was going to affect them. The the controversy of the, the whole cheating scandal thing. I, they definitely I think they underperformed. Just had a, I think they just had a rough season, too, on top of that. It's not like their World Series numbers were getting, you know, put out on the table here. Their World Series season numbers were getting put out on the table here. They they underperformed and probably in part due to some of this, you know, scandal residually just, you know, in the back of their minds. Like, oh, am I going to get a pitch thrown at my head today? You know, that kind of thing. Um, that psychs guys out. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you can blame it on that. Personally, if I'm the Houston Astros, I would like to think that you could have overcome that and you could have gone over 500. You could have been the one seed. But then again, you look at the Oakland Athletics and they just had a hell of a season. They did great. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> so, they, they were quality. But Houston underperforming, at least, uh, you know, for for my pick for a disappointing team for this regular season. Kalen, beyond the Phillies, do you have anyone else you want to talk about in terms of a disappointing season? The other team that I'm looking at as a disappointing season is the Boston Red Sox. Yep, yep. I had this one on my list. Boston Red Sox, 24 wins, 36 losses. That's rough. See, <laughs> I think the Red Sox this season have been an amplified level of disappointment along the same lines of the Phillies. Because, like, the Phillies, for example, the expectation, at least the expectation that I perceived was that they are a team that would be fighting for a wild card spot, not fighting to win the division, but fighting for a wild card spot being maybe a touch over 500 and being in the mix, especially with the extended wild card spots. Going into this, everyone kind of thought Boston was about a 500 team, and the fact that there were extra wild card spots up for grabs kind of gave them, you know, kind of like the yeah, they're not going to be really good, but they could be like the 7th or 8th best team in the in the AL and get in that way. And oh my god, guys, they had a worse record than Baltimore. Oh yeah, they tanked. They had a worse record than Kansas City. The only, hang on here, the only two teams they were better than in the American League were the Detroit Tigers, which, I mean, yeah, and the Texas Rangers, who are just also garbage. It, it, it's, Boston was having a bad year, dude. Total disappointments. Recent World Series win to immediate awful 60 game season. I mean, it's not that. Here's the other thing. It's not that recent of a win. 
I know it's not that recent of a win, but I mean, still. We, we knew that they were regressing this season, but to the basement of the AL East was not quite what everyone was expecting. I don't know, Dan. I mean, the Red Sox won in 2018. They won the World Series. They came out last year. They had a decent season. And then this year, I guess this year is just the final, like the year to start tanking, I guess. I don't know. You know how like you win a championship and then you have a decent ish season and then you just full yeah, on tank I mean, pieces, after that. Pieces fall apart. Pieces get expensive. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think that's time. It's again, just Boston. Maybe it's just Boston Red Sox time. Maybe we should have expected this. I don't know. I think, like I said, Boston was just the same level of Philly, a team that would be, you know, likely wild cards, just above 500, that type of situation. But, oh, did the. You know, if you thought Philadelphia's record of 28 and 20 and uh, 32 was bad, then, well, <laughs> let me introduce you to you their go. their AL counterpart in the Boston Red Sox. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, they wouldn't have even gotten a wild card in the NL either. Oh, of course not. Yeah, no, no way. No, no they had. I'm looking here. They had the fourth worst record in baseball. Yep. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, There's one more team in the AL that I want to talk about, at least in terms of being a disappointment. And at least for what we're looking at here, I mean, they're not, I mean, we talked about playoff bound teams before with the Astros being a disappointment as well. I think another team that really underperformed the pretty big expectations that they had was the Yankees. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to, really? I, I don't want to stir in anger the, you know, the 27 rings or however many rings it is empire. That is the New York Yankees as you know, that is the Bronx bombers. But I think that, while they're not as big a disappointment as Boston, not as big a disappointment as, you know, Philadelphia or Houston, I still think the Yankees had, they can make it up in the postseason, but they had a disappointing regular season, in my opinion. They went 33-27. and 27. They obviously made the playoffs. I mean, three teams in the AL East made the playoffs. Toronto made the playoffs. But they always seemed to step behind Tampa Bay. The Rays dominated that division. The Rays were one of two teams to reach 40 wins in baseball, mm-hmm. which is huge. Like, the Yankees just had a whole bunch of, like, mental missteps throughout the entire season. Like, the expectations for them going in were to be right there, if not maybe just a smidge behind the L.A. Dodgers the entire time. And honestly, you know, a lot of the talks at the beginning of this is basically, it's okay, it's a it's a two-and-a-half horse race. You have the Dodgers and the Yankees, and then you have the Astros kind of semi there. They're, like, they have a foot on that step of, like, front runner you know and yeah the Dodgers were the only ones to live up to that expectation I think going into the season that the Yankees just had a much higher uh level of expectation you know you, you talk about like all the all the great offense they have you know just a decently well-rounded team a team that was coming into their prime you know a team that had you know some monstrous regular seasons in the past and were just trying to get it done in the postseason and I mean, they're in the postseason. They could still make it happen, but 33 and 27 and giving up the best record in the American League to their division rival in Tampa Bay is not the way that script was supposed to be written. <laughs> it, it it came out completely different. So I mean, I'm putting the Yankees in the disappointment category. I'm doing it. And I find that interesting. I just find that interesting because obviously they were one of those teams that Ian, when we brought him on preseason, was like, Yankees are going to get 40 wins. I mean, he he also blew oh, that course. out of the water. I think he also said Tampa Bay was going to get 40 wins. He said like six teams we were going to get 40 wins. He did, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. something stupid um, like that. Like, it was ridiculous. It was wild. But hey, I mean, at the time it sounded good because it was like, well, if these guys come out here hot, you know, and pitchers are off, then 
were set. It was a good theory. Didn't pan out well in practice. For the, um, for the record, Ian had seven teams above 40 wins. Seven teams. Nice. Seven. So, in- including the Yankees, of course. So I'm looking at the Yankees. There are 33 wins, 27 losses. That's not... In 60 games, I don't think that's that bad. I really don't think that's that bad. I think you're looking at that and going... Oh, because they didn't beat Tampa Bay and they didn't have a better record than Minnesota and, you know, Cleveland. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, but they're supposed the Yankees to had to. Well, they're expected to. But if they got a rough start, which they did, that hinders them, especially when it's only 60 games. You got to think 60 games in a normal MLB season is nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, they just only ever got hot. Maybe like, you know halfway through or hot ish halfway through it's tough it's tough to play 60 games and then come up to the end of the season and look at your record and go yeah we're great because a lot of these teams are only just now starting to pay attention to their records in a normal baseball season i still think that okay it's it's just the way i'm looking at the situation okay yeah they had they had a fine regular season like you you were mentioning it wasn't perfect they had you know some as I put it before, some mental missteps throughout. But to me, when you look at whether or not teams are disappointments, a large part of it is, okay, well, like disappointments in comparison to what? The Yankees having a 33-27 and record is pretty below what they were expected to in terms that going into the season, it was like, oh, yeah, they're the slam dunk best team in the AL with the possible exception of the Astros doing Astro things. For example, you know, like if you look at the Yankees at 33 and 27, that's underperforming. On the flip side, if you the expectations for the Pirates entering the season was the basement and, you know, they didn't even crack 20 wins. If they had 33 wins, like they would be the headlining story. Like they'd be like, oh, my God, do you see how amazing the Pirates are? But to me, it's not because of where the Yankees started with their expectations. I don't know, man. My personal expectations for them were playoff bound team probably top a division but eh, maybe not depends on tampa bay and they're not top of the division because tampa bay was better and they made the playoffs so i don't know for me they made they met my expectations they're in the playoffs they're gonna do something maybe they'll get hot in red october here who knows but um, I, yeah to me they met expectations they're they're in the playoffs they did their job okay i mean to me i think the yankees not as much as some other teams we talked about but slight disappointments slight I do have one more team on my list. Okay. But I want to give you a shot here, Kalen. Is there anyone else on your list you want to talk about in terms of being a disappointment in the regular season for MLB? I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates are just a disappointment of baseball. Let's be <laughs> honest here. Okay, l- listen, man. I'm talking about, again, <laughs> the Pirates did exactly what I thought they were going to do. I'm as a kidding. Pirates I'm fan, kidding. As a Pirates fan, I am... I have to sit here and relish in the fact that, you know, everyone in our division made the postseason except for us. Yep. We're the only team in the NL Central not in the postseason. Seriously. Yep. It's big sad. Until Bob Nutting sells the team. Okay. And I know this is like for anyone who's a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, like this rant has been done like every day of your life. But until Bob Nutting sells the team, <laughs> that team will always be a basement dweller. It will always sell off its stars as soon as their six years of MLB time run up. Josh Bell's going to be leaving soon, and then we're going to have somebody else that comes up through our farm system. And then we're going to trade them, and we're going to trade, you know, like, we, we just do that, okay? It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a team trying to win titles. It's a team 
whose only goal is to keep the payroll low so Bob Nutting can rake in money even though no one's in the stadium because that's a way to financially run a baseball team when you are a small market. Just how it is. But is there an actual anyway, team you want to talk about or is it just Pittsburgh? Yeah. I actually want to talk about San Francisco. Ooh, okay. I want to talk about the this Giants. is actually interesting. So, why do you want to talk about the Giants? I want to talk about the Giants because the NL West has the Dodgers, right? We all knew the Dodgers were going to be on top. There. Oh yeah, they were the closest team to expectations in almost all of baseball. Yeah, and all, actually, I mean, I expected them. I agreed with Ian that they would get forty wins, and they got forty three. So I was I was putting them at like forty one. But anyway, not the point. Then you got. San Diego at 37 and 23, clinching the playoff spot, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then San Francisco at 29 and 31. Not a bad season, under 500, but I definitely expected him to be over 500 for sure. I expected that fight. I expected that fight for second place to be a lot closer. And San Diego impressed me this season. They very much so impressed me with a lot of their young talent that they brought in and brought up and San Fran being a honestly a a decent team not terrible not amazing but in that division I felt preseason that they were good enough to at least get second there because Colorado's not great and Arizona the Diamondbacks they're, they're on a downward slope so San Francisco in my eyes it was between San Diego and San Francisco and San Francisco in my eyes was winning it but that's just not how it panned out you know I, they couldn't get past San Diego, who is looking great, looking amazing with that young talent that they brought up, specifically Tatis, if you want to call somebody out. I mean, I think this is the first time that I'm going to, like, disagree with you, like, firmly disagree really? with you, at least in, in, in this conversation, because here's my logic. So, like, I think Arizona was a bigger disappointment than San Francisco. I mean, Arizona has, like, Arizona is building younger pieces and, tr- and like, they're in, like, the upswing of the team. I think the San Francisco 49ers are still very much trending downwards. Um, And I'm surprised, honestly, that they placed as high as they did in the division. Um, Really? Yeah, because, like, their their team is very much aging. Buster Posey recently retired. Brandon Belt's on the wrong side of 30. Brandon Crawford's on the wrong side of 30. Evan Longoria. The, The rest of them are all on the wrong side of 30. Like, the team, if you compare it to the rest of the division, they're... Their farm system is nowhere near what San Diego has. Like True. San, San Diego's farm system is great, and that's even after San Diego traded decent chunks of their farm system for bullpen and pitching help to push this uh, this postseason. I think San Francisco is still like I I think they probably have another one or two years of trending downward still. And then at that point, you'll start seeing the swing back up. I'm surprised they got as high as they did. That's that's my thoughts on it. I think that they have still been trending downwards and they are slumping into full rebuild mode. And like, to be honest, I'm surprised that they're higher than Arizona because Arizona just kind of had a bust year because at least Arizona's in that upswing motion, you know, in terms of the ebb and flow of of rebuild and success. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm, I see. I mean, I knew, I knew San Fran is in a downward trend. I already knew that mm-hmm. coming into it. However, I felt that they, in a 60-game season, would have been able to hold on to it longer. You know what I mean? Like hold on to like a win, quote-unquote win streak, or you know just be able to string together some wins with a lot of that veteran talent 
and be okay in that shorter season because you're not playing, you know, 182 games. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just playing 60. So that was my logic coming into it. That was how I was looking at that division. And then again, San Diego just absolutely exploded. So Mm -hmm. I just didn't see that coming. I knew they had, I mean, obviously we all talked about it, you know, preseason that San Diego had a great farm system, but you know, sometimes you have a great farm system that looks good on paper and then you bring them up to the big leagues and they, they flop out, you know, or sometimes, Um, you know, that farm system pulls together and hits grand slams in like what? Yeah. Four five, six straight games or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I mean, exactly. just, just looking at some past seasons, I mean, San Francisco hasn't been absolutely bottom of the barrel, but they were, you know, first, second, first, second, you know, won some World Series and everything. 2016, they lost in the um, the uh, ALDS, and then the year after that, they're bottom of the division, then they're fourth, and then this year and the year before, they're third. But, like, if you look at last year, for example, you're like, oh, they're holding steady. Well, no, the... Padres jumped them and the Diamondbacks just had, like I said, what I think is a dud year because they have younger talent and they're just, I, I, they just, I guess, ran into growing pains this season. I know Kendall Marte, for example, is a player that was expected to have a lot more coming to the season for the Diamondbacks than, than what they did have. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting you said the Giants. I think that the Giants still, you know, have to be dormant and kind of bide their time. San Diego's busting out. Arizona's trying to bust out. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. So I think yeah. that I think that they can't quite be competitive enough right now. And 29 and 31 was pl- a pleasant surprise to me. Interesting. Okay. And if I could, there's one more team I'd like to talk about before we get out of here. Yeah, sure thing, man. And that is the team that I think is a massive disappointment this year because they're not in the playoffs and they're the defending World Series champions. The Washington Nationals. They're bottom oh, of yeah, the NL they, East. They were on my list, too. Bottom of the NL East. Below everybody. Below the Mets. Below the Phillies. No, they're tied with the Mets. <laughs> Age record-wise, but they lost to the Mets. So. Acor- according to, yeah, yeah. Tiebreaker-wise, they don't top the Mets. They are the bottom of that division. They had some pitching issues. Their pitching staff was not as good as um, as you would typically expect. I'm trying to remember which one of their pitchers went down. Wasn't it Steven Strasburg? Yeah, so his injury obviously affected the team massively. The man only pitched five innings this entire regular season. So yeah, that's your ace. That's your ace of aces. Not I, I mean, you not know, being able to pitch the guy who was a finalist in Cy Young and MVP voting last year, and you know helped push the team to a uh, World Series on the back of eighteen wins, which led the league last year. Yeah, that that's a that's a big loss there. So. I can still say it's a disappointment, even if it's partially injury based. But yeah, because I mean, you look at a World Series team and you expect that roster to be able to, you know, handle that if it happens. But yeah. at the very least, not. yeah, at the very least, they should have been a playoff team. Agreed. Agreed. Well, that does exhaust my list. Kalen, is there any other teams that we should talk about before we leave as being disappointed? No, man. No, I, I don't really have any other um, disappointments. Washington was the last one I had on my list. I always think the LA Angels are a disappointment, but just because they have Mike Trout, <laughs> but you know, Mike Trout can't save the world. So, I mean, they were only, let's let me, let me do the, let me do the quick look. See here. It looks like they were only what? Three games out of the playoffs. Yep. I mean, three games is a lot when it comes to a 60 game season, but 60 game season. I was just yeah. going to say that, bud. <laughs> and we are back with another obscure sport here on the pregame podcast. 
what was th- you went from singing to the pregame podcast see that like, was it was like a half what? reference to like you know backstreets back but it was like the obscure sports back all right <laughs> oh and ladies and gentlemen we are no longer uh airing the podcast due to someone thinking they are putting out a backstreet boys album i'm sorry you know what are you going to shame <laughs> me for my love of boy bands? Just a little. Ah, uh, God, what do you? Why you got to put me in a box like this? Box up my personality anyway. like this? Okay, either way. Obscure sport time, Kalen. We haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, but I found yep. an excellent one to come back to. It is a sport that it was interesting. I, I was doing some research about it. I was thinking about it, um, you know, and there was a really good explanation that popped into my head. That this sport is the combination of American football, basketball, and international football, aka soccer, for uh, all Ooh. of our American listeners. So this sounds wild. It's very interesting. It has. It's a game where like you'll watch it and be like, I know these rules. I've seen this before. And then you go, Oh no, I haven't seen this before. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on. So the game is a football. But it's not American football, football, or is it the English football that you know as well? It's Gaelic football. Wait, what? Gaelic football. Y- you know Gaelic as in, like, Irish? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know what you're saying. Yes. Gaelic football is our obscure sport for this week. And... This thing's weird. Oh, oh now, okay, now I, I see what happened. You needed me to pronounce it so you could spell it properly. I forgot how to spell Gaelic. Is that it's a word I don't use. Is that a problem? I mean, fair. It's not a word that really describes anything for us here in America. So it makes sense that you wouldn't uh, wouldn't be aware of it. But this sport is very interesting. So, Kaylin, I know you're watching it right now, but I'll describe for the folks at home. Basically, you have a big field or pitch or whatever you want to call it, depending on whatever sport you're coming from. And it's set up very much like a soccer field. You know, you got some midlines and stuff like that. You have a 13-yard line, and you have a soccer goal, except it looks a little smaller than a soccer goal. And you will notice, Kalen, that the, uh, not the crossbar, but the posts go all the way up. They're goalposts. They are goalposts, because there are two different ways to score in Gaelic football. You could either shoot it into the net which is three points, or you can kick it over the crossbar in between the goalposts, kind of like if you kicked a field goal, basically, and get one point. Right. So this obviously... This is wild. It's, yeah, it's a little bit more high scoring, and it has a little bit of a different set of rules. So, first off, you may notice that they are using their hands. It's not like full-on soccer, mm-hmm. even though it's a soccer-like ball. It's basically a soccer ball. It's it, it looks like a rugby ball. No, it, it's one of those like weird like soccer balls that like your coach has that's um like patterned like a volleyball, mm-hmm. but it's thick enough that it's a soccer ball still. That's what it is. Yeah. So the basics for this game is you play two 30 minute halves with a nice halftime in between. And the only interesting thing when it comes to like the results and like doing it in like a tournament or competitive is that if you have a draw, the entire game gets replayed. Oh, no. <laughs> so if there's a tie, oh, no. you're playing two more 30-minute halves. You're pl- replaying oh, the whole game. No. 
no. Who came up with that one? That's so bad. How is that bad? Oh. If one game ser- couldn't decide I- it, another one has to. Yeah, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> well, but it, not right after. Well, it doesn't say it has to be right after. I mean, but it says that, like, the game has to be replayed in some form. Oh, that's terrible. What a dumb rule. Yeah. So in this game, you can very much play it. Uh, you can you could play it like soccer if you wanted to, but it's going to be more effective if you use the rules when it comes to carrying the ball. So carrying the ball has its own set of rules. So when it comes to carrying the ball, if you're holding the ball, Caitlin, you're not allowed to take more than four steps with the ball before you have to do some type of continuation action, okay? You have the choice of two different continuation actions. You could either A, dribble the ball like a basketball, or B, you can drop the ball and bounce it off your foot back to yourself. Kind of like like dribbling in soccer, in a way. Like, you know, oh, in, right. so in like midair. You, you drop it off on your foot and then kick it back up. Yes. And then so keep going. Those are the two things you're allowed to do in order to maintain control of the ball. It's called soloing for right. a Gaelic football term. But here's the thing about it. The basketball dribble, you, can, you can't you can do two basketball dribbles in a row because it would be too easy. Okay. So if you wanted to, you could do a basketball dribble and then you could solo it and do the little drop kick to yourself. And then you could dribble again, then drop kick to yourself and dribble again. Or you can just drop kick to yourself the entire way down the field if you're, you know, and especially for some of these professional players, they are definitely good enough to do that on a full sprint. Yeah. That is the, the options they have to... Keep control of the ball uh, while they're running with it. Now, of course, instead of running with it, you could always pass it. There's a couple different ways that you're allowed to pass the ball. First off, you are allowed to kick the ball. uh, Again, whether it's on the ground already, like you drop it and then kick it on the ground. Or you can actually just drop it out of your hands and kick it like you were punting, essentially, to, to reference American football. So you can kick the ball in those ways, but kicking is not the only way that you can pass. You can also pass... By throwing the ball. But here's the rules. You can't throw the ball. The only way you're allowed to pass the ball from one player to another is by either doing what's called a hand pass, where you slap the ball out of your hand to the opposing player. Right. Or the the teammate, I should say. So you can't actually pass it. You have to smack it with an open palm. Or you could also do what is called, and yes, it is actually called this in Gaelic football, Fisting, which is where you do the same thing, but with a closed fist. Nice. Yeah. So you either have a hand pass, which is slapping the ball to your teammate, or fisting the ball to your teammate, which is with a closed fist. And and that is how you can pass to other players. Things you can't do, like I said, you can't just straight up throw the ball. And also, you can't touch the ball if the ball is on the ground. So if the ball's on the ground, you have to kick it up into oh. the air and then grab it. That's the only way you're able to to pick it up off the ground, essentially. So so can you dribble it like a soccer ball then if it's stuck on the ground? Like you, kick you it could, out of the way could. and then you, kick it up to yourself? Okay. You, you could play this entirely as soccer, but you're going to have a disadvantage because obviously you're going to be able to have more control of the ball, move it around easier and all that if you have it in your hands. Right. So it's very much like a modified version of soccer in that aspect, where it's like soccer with extra rules. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Kinda. Yeah. So those are the rules about moving the ball around. Any Anything come up that was kind of interesting to you about that? 
fisting, obviously. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> nice. Yes, of course. <laughs> I, come on. I mean, you, you had to see that one coming. It's interesting to me that you that you can't like r- I was thinking it would be like a rugby movement, right? Like it would be an underhand kind of like pitch almost to move the ball around. It's interesting that it's a a fisting or yes. a slapping is is the, basically the two terms. <laughs> you can fist it or you can slap it. Take your pick. I I will say we are still talking about Gaelic football right now. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, Doing a fisting pass is basically kind of like a volleyball bump in a way that you can probably get some good distance on it. Oh, yeah. So, you probably so it's not can. like that's an issue. No. I mean, I'm sure you could probably like punch the ball basically like halfway across the width of the field or something if you if you know how to do it right. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And I mean, if you're going that distance, you might as well just drop punt it real quick anyways. Well, I mean, if you don't have the space. Oh, that's true. That's true. Haha. <laughs> Besides the very funny jokes about the ways you can pass the ball. Do you want to hear some more about some of the more intricate parts of Gaelic football? Oh, yes, please. So I want there... to hear about the intricacies of fisting. Wait, what? <laughs> so there are a couple other elements to it, including a free kick, which is how they restart play after a foul happens. So basically, they put the ball down on the ground, and you can, you can either start with it on the ground and kick it like a soccer free kick, or you can hold it and punt it, essentially. Those are the two ways right, that you can okay. restart play from those standpoints. Uh, can you score off a free kick? Yes, you can cool. score off a free kick. Um, in fact, uh, there are penalty kicks, which are for any penalty that occurs within the box in front of the goal, or a penalty kick could be awarded if the referee deems that the attacking team who the penalty was committed against was in a likely scoring opportunity, which gotcha. the penalty kick basically works as a soccer penalty kick. It's one-on-one against the goalie. The ball's placed at the 13-yard line, and you know you, you do as as the soccer players do. And um, You do as the soccer players do. I mean, what else do you want me to say? That's, <laughs> that's how it works. So here are the things that count as fouls in Gaelic football. So That was my next question. Yes. You read my mind. So... A foul in Gaelic football can be called for overcarrying or overholding the ball. So if you don't dribble or solo the ball to yourself. Um, a travel. Yes, a travel, essentially. If you throw the ball, again, if you don't fist it or if you don't hand pass it, throwing the ball will get you a penalty. If you have a hand pass or a fisting pass that doesn't have a definitive striking action, if you do like a motion, but it's more of like a toss, um, right. then they could call you for it as a foul. If you lift the ball off the ground with your knees, now again, you got to remember, you can't pick the ball up off the ground um, with your hands. So if you try to do something with your knees, that's a foul. If you lie on top of the ball, it's a foul. Remember how I talked about the whole thing where you can't dribble multiple times in a row, like basketball? Yes. If you mess that up and dribble twice in a row, that's a foul. And uh, other attempts include striking an opponent, behaving aggressively or dangerously, stamping on them. Stuff like that. Right. Those, those are things. typical, like, you know, sports fouls. Yes. So there are three different cards in Gaelic football. Ooh, interesting. So we have a green, yellow and red, or is it just yellow, red and something else? Actually, I really like this. So in regular football uh, or in regular soccer, I should say, since, you know, most of our audience is American, a yellow card is like a warning and a red card gets you sent off. 
Two and, yellows gets you a red, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And when you're sent off with a red, like, that's it. Your team's playing a man down for the rest of the game. The three cards in Gaelic football, you have a yellow card, which is a warning or a caution card. You have a black card, which is when the player is sent off, but the team's allowed to substitute for them. So you're kicked out of the game, but your team can still put a player in to replace you. And then you have a red card, which functions just like a soccer red card. You're sent off and your team has to play a man down uh, for the rest of the game. Dang. Now, I don't know, like, how many yellows equal a black or if, like, a black and a yellow equals a red. I don't know those, okay? I don't. But you can you can pretty easily see how, like, there is a little bit of a differentiation for that in terms of substitutions and all that stuff. That's kind of nice. I like the black card idea. That's yep. good. I, I like it as well. I think it's a really good idea. Speaking of substitutions, there are five subs allowed per game. So a little more than traditional international soccer. Right. And uh, besides the subs, I forgot to mention that you have 15 players to a team. So it's a bit more crowded than soccer. Ooh, but that's a busy field. It is a little bit, I, I think it's a little bit of a wider field than soccer as well. I don't know. It the looks like it. I don't know the exact dimensions. Let me see if I can find the dimensions real quick for you. It looks like it's 85 meters by 145 meters. Ooh, that's big. Pretty hefty. But yeah. That is the rundown, the basics of Gaelic football. That's a fun, that's a fun sport right there. Honestly, I, I like the idea of it. It's, it's got, listen, because here's the thing, even though there's like no, like there or even though there's penalties for like striking and stuff like that, like opponents and stuff like that, it still very much has a little bit of a rugby aspect to it. Like you still can like strip the ball from people and smack the ball out and, and you can get like aggressive, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing pictures of people almost like tackling other people. Um, yeah. So it looks like you can get pretty aggressive with it. Yeah, you it can, looks like it'd be fun. You can tackle. You just can't like punch, which I mean, you know. Oh, you, well, you didn't specify this. I mean, like, yeah, the the major thing with this is that people tend to like, you know, play space and everything. But like when you get down to the goal, people will just, you know, try to all out tackle. That That is an option. Just like take your head off. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Interesting. But, Kalen, Interesting. big question. Are big you answer. playing and organizing a Gaelic soccer game or Gaelic football game at your next picnic? Uh, Yeah, now this is going to happen. Me and my three friends are going to play a game of Gaelic football. Oh, wait, it's 15 and 15. That's not going to happen. I mean, we could just play like smaller teams. We could do. That's like, it's, true. It's like football, you know, you like no one has a full like 22 like person football game. You play like a six on six or something like that, or seven on seven. True. This is doable, though. This is doable. You could play this with a soccer ball, honestly. I think the hardest part to figure out is like, how do you determine? Because you're not going to have goalposts on the soccer net to see whether or not the ball went directly over the top of the crossbar. But I guess you just kind of judge it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you could tell if it went over or not. Uh, a lot of, uh, listen, a lot of family arguments. <laughs> So listen, an uncle at the barbecue is going to get pissed off and start throwing baked beans everywhere. And then, you know, from there, it's it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare, man. <laughs> I don't know about your family, but that wouldn't be mine. <laughs> I think my family would be a little bit more upset that I just got a tattoo than the score of the <laughs> Gaelic football game. Did they not know that you got a tattoo? Nah, I'm a good chunk of them do. Just some people don't like it. Oh, well, OK. I was going to say. <laughs> This took a hard turn into, like, Kalen's personal family developments. No, I'm, I was just throwing that out there of, yeah. you know, 
I don't know how many people are going to be eating their beans and watching the football game happening. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm front row. <laughs> Let's go. Let's Dan go. Dan pulls the, the lawn chair up to the sideline, like right on it. Like, all right, boys, here we go. Bring in the extra large can of bushes. Let's 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 do this. <laughs> I'm ready to rock. Let's do this. And before we get out of here on the pregame podcast, as always, we like to make a prediction about what's coming up in the well upcoming week in sports. <laughs> so without any further ado, Kalen, what is your prediction this week? My prediction this week is sticking with my loser of the week in the Philadelphia Eagles. They are going to go 0-3-1. and It doesn't matter who they're playing, what they're playing. They could be playing European football for all I care. They're going to lose, and that's that. End of story. I predict the Eagles go 0-3-1. and Okay, okay. Can't disagree with that too much. So, I mean, the, well, Cow- the Cowboys got the Browns, so at least we have a chance of winning. Exactly, exactly. Oh, jeez. Anyway, Dan, what's your prediction for the coming week? Well, you brought up English football, and that's where I'm going to take my prediction this week, okay? I know, Kalen, that you're not quite cultured across the pond. Um, that's rude. Um, is it wrong? No. I, will pr- I pay attention to Premier League. How, m- how many English Premier League teams from this season in, in the top, you know, top 20, the top table, can you name? Can I name? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. Pro- like, probably yeah. not a lot. It's not like I watch it religiously, but uh, okay. I can do. Well, I was I was just, you, you were like, well, don't insult me. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just asking you well, to you prove it. You act like I don't know anything about soccer. Okay. I don't, I don't know how closely you follow it. I assumed it wasn't very close. It's, I mean, this year it's not very close. I've been paying attention to other things, but typically I at least know who wins it. Okay. Well. Either way, I'm not going to actually quiz you on how many teams you know in the top in the top tables. Although I do basically have a team that you should be rooting for, but we'll get to that in in uh, a little bit later. My prediction to get that out of the way is there's a match this upcoming weekend on the third between Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Now, I am a pseudo Crystal Palace fan because way back in the day, I was playing an old like football manager like 2012 video game or whatever. And I said, oh, I'm going to try to build up whatever team is predicted to be the worst team in the English Premier League. That year, it was Crystal Palace, predicted to be 20 out of 20. So I kind of became like a pseudo, like not really like big, but like, you know, I'll root for them if they're on type Crystal Palace fan type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're facing off against Chelsea. And I'm predicting that Crystal Palace is going to take down Chelsea. And I have reasons why. Chelsea so That's far bold. this season. I, I know it's bold. Chelsea, so far, in three matches, a win, a draw, and a loss against competition that I wouldn't exactly say is competition that they should be, like, drawing to, for example. I mean, they lost to Liverpool, which is to be expected, because Liverpool's expected. pretty good. But they had a 3-3 draw against West Brom, which Albion, excuse me. That um, shouldn't have happened. Yeah, that, that should not have happened. Plus, if you look at Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace is pretty hot. They have two wins. And one loss in their three matches so far, including a 3-1 win over Manchester United. Yes. Wow. So because of that, let's go Crystal Palace. Let's go, ironically, <laughs> let's let's go Crystal Palace Eagles <laughs> against Chelsea. <laughs> the irony. Yes, yes, I know the irony of them being the Eagles, I'm aware. Yeah. But that's my prediction for this week. This weekend, Crystal Palace takes down the big bad boogeyman of the uh, the English Premier League in Chelsea. On the flip side, Kalen, if you ever wanted to watch the English Premier League, there's a team made for you. Oh? 
there's a team whose team name is quite simply the Wolves. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, they're they're not very good. They're currently 16th out of 20 in the table, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know. That doesn't surprise me. It's it's a, it's something for you. It's something for you. But it is time for us to get out of here. Kaylin, is there anything you need to say before we call it a show? Uh, love your pets, love your friends, and uh, have a great life. I love that the love your pets thing is just becoming your version of like spay and neuter your pets. Like the the your, that's your Bob Barker sign off. Have I done that one before? I think you have. I think you've mentioned loving like or or like chill with your pets, chill with your family type thing a lot. Maybe I don't know. You have selective memory. It's okay. I do. All right. What you don't need selective memory for, though, however, is following us on our social media feeds, Instagram, um, Twitter, TikTok. I couldn't. I had bad memory there. I couldn't even remember all of what them. Are, what are you trying to do here, pal? <laughs> but I could remember the handles. It's at pregame underscore pod. That's for all of them. Pregame underscore P-O-D. Don't forget to also send us any mail you want us to talk about on the show. Questions, comments, discussion, reasons why we're bad, reasons why we're good. Reasons why we should come to your wedding. I don't know. Sure. Uh, the pregame mailbag at gmail.com is where you can send all of that good stuff. And before I say anything else ridiculous, let's get out of here. My name's Dan Zaluski. My name's Kalen Wolfskill. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Game podcast is produced by Dan Zaleski and Kalen Wolfskill. Theme music by High On You. A Ruby Media production. So back to something I was talking about during Winners and Losers. I have another fun fact about the NBA Championship games. What's this? Tell me, please. I've actually been dying to hear this. Actually? Like for real? Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm, I'm intrigued. Of course, you're a basketball fan. So, if the Miami Heat win this championship, okay? Okay. It would be Miami's fourth title in the NBA. Okay? Okay. They won in 05-06. They won with LeBron in 11-12 and 12-13. And, and they would win here. If they win here, that means that every single one of their championships had the same one player on all of their rosters. I know who you're going to say. Who is it? Tell me. It's uh, Udonis Haslam. Yes, it is Udonis Haslam. That is my did you also fact. know? Did you also know that he has played... Uh, I don't know. I think he's played in the finals in four decades. The finals in four decades? I think so. Hold on. I got to no. double check that fact. Uh, no, that's not a good fact, but I'm looking at his I'm looking at his basketball reference page right now. His first season in the NBA was 0304. Ah, sorry, it's it's he's played in obviously he's played in three decades. Sorry. Okay. Been in the finals in three decades. Well, yeah, since he's, you know. Yeah, but that's not that's not a big deal. LeBron's just did that. Well, still. Okay, sure. Either way, he is apparently the key to Miami winning championships, and when he retires, Miami's never gonna win another championship. I tell you that right now. How do you say that?
He's been part of all of them. Without him, how how are they supposed to win? I guess so. Question mark. I'm I'm just joshing around. Also, fun. I mean, fact, he barely played this season. I mean, yeah, he played he played four games. Um, <laughs> another fun fact: he has attempted exactly zero three pointers from the years 2007 through 2014. <laughs> That's awesome. That is that is also a a hell of an, a little stat there. Regardless. Yes, that's that's my fun fact if the Heat win this, which I do want them to win because I want those jerseys. I, I, know, I know. I want those jerseys. We're we're in it for the jerseys now. Absolutely.